We'll have four verses to focus our attention on God's word today, and all of them will teach us about the love of God. Our first reading is from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. God chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Doesn't everybody want to be chosen? For me, it was when I was still in grade school, and we'd go out to recess, and then you'd have to pick teams to play kickball, usually. Do kids still do that today, Amari? Play kickball at recess? And if you get to be the captain, that's great, because you get to do all of the choosing, but if you're not the captain, you have to sit there and wait, hoping that you're chosen. That you don't have to be first, you just don't want to be last, because if you're last, you're not really chosen, right? You're just left over. And it's almost homecoming season, so I'm guessing there are a lot of girls waiting to be chosen or asked to the dance, or, or maybe if you're single and older, you're waiting for someone to choose you to be married. Maybe you're waiting to be chosen for a promotion at work, or, or just chosen to be asked out to hang out with the guys or the girls. <clears throat> but it doesn't always happen, does it? You don't always make the team Maybe he doesn't ask. You don't get the promotion. Human beings tend to let us down. But not God. Paul tells us that God chose you. From all of the billions and billions of people who are living on the earth now or ever have or ever will live, God chose you. And Paul said that God chose you even before the creation of the world. Before God said, let there be light. Before he separated the water above from the water below. Before he put the land and the seas and the plants and trees in place. Before he put the sun and the moon and the stars in the sky. Before there were birds or fish or land animals. Even before God created Adam from the dust and Eve from the rib. God was already thinking of you. In fact, there was never a time when God wasn't thinking of you. He chose you even before time began. Paul said that God chose you to be holy and blameless. Notice he didn't say, because you are holy and blameless, we're not. We all know that we are filthy with sin. We're covered in guilt and shame. In fact, for that reason, we know that there is no good reason that God would choose me or you. But that's the great thing about the love of God. God didn't choose you because of who you are or who you would become. God didn't choose you because of what you have done or what you haven't done. God chose you because he is love. And God chose you because of what he would do for you and what he would create you to be. We'll hear more about that in our next reading. But stand in wonder at the love of God, that from before the creation of the world, he chose you. Let's hear the song, You Thought of Me. 1 John 4, verses 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice 
for our sins. Human love is often filled with emotion. Maybe it's the butterflies in the stomach the first time you see that cute boy or girl across the room. Or maybe it's the nervousness when you first try to make contact. When I was a kid, we still had that rotary phone, so you had to wait for the dial to go back seven times, and then you had to, to see if somebody would answer. Now it's, I guess, just a, a text or a snap, so maybe you wait to find out if they text or snap you back. Maybe it's the excitement to find out that the person that you like, they actually like you too, and they even want to talk to you and, and spend time with you. Uh, eventually, it's the excitement of getting engaged and planning a wedding and walking down the aisle and saying, I do. There's all of these emotions. Well, and then marriage kicks in, and you find out that they don't last because you, you can't stay up here forever. And then that's when people walk into the office and say, Pastor, we don't love each other anymore. And what they often mean is we, we don't have those exciting feelings of love that we used to have. And that's often because they stopped showing love. That human emotion of love is often selfish. When a couple walks into the office and says, Pastor, we're getting married and we'd like you to do the wedding, I'll, I'll ask them, why do you want to get married and, and why do you want to marry that person? And, and most of the time, their answer is something like, well, that person makes me happy. They make me feel good. And then I tell them, well, that's the wrong reason to get married. Maybe you should reconsider. Well, not really. But it is the wrong reason to get married. Because if you're getting married so that that person can make you happy the rest of your life, you will soon be disappointed. God wants us to get married so that we can serve the other, not that they can serve us. But that's human, emotional, selfish love. Again, God's love is different. God's love includes emotion. There are many times throughout the scripture where God says, I love you. In fact, he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. That's why he chose you even before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. But God doesn't just say, I love you. God showed his love. He put his love into action. The Father showed how much he loves you by sending his one and only Son, and God didn't send Jesus just to be mushy and gushy. He, he didn't even send him just to feed the hungry or heal the sick. Certainly, he did those things. God sent his son to make you holy and blameless. Jesus is the only one who loved God so perfectly that he never sinned. He is the only holy and blameless human who has ever lived. But God sent his son to become sin for us. God sent his son so that he could punish him for our sin, the punishment that we deserve. Paul says that, or John says that God made his son the atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's how God makes you holy and blameless. He takes your sin and puts it on Jesus, and then he takes Jesus' holiness and he puts it on you. Jesus once said to his disciples, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And that's how much God loves you. 
Let's hear the song, You Never Did. Back to Ephesians 1. You also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Agree or disagree? Jesus did everything necessary for your salvation. You have to agree. Jesus lived a perfect life. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus rose from the dead. There is nothing that you or I need to do to earn salvation. There's nothing you or I need to do. But the Holy Spirit did. You know the passage, God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Uh, On the one hand, Jesus did everything for everyone. God so loved the world that he sent his son to live and die and rise again. And Jesus' death pays for the sins of all people. He offers eternal life to every single person who has ever lived. On the other hand, only those who believe shall not perish but have eternal life. God loved you so much that he not only sent his one and only son, but the Father and the Son then sent the Holy Spirit to bring God's love to your heart. That's what Paul means when he says that you were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, which is the gospel. The gospel is the good news about Christ. It was announced already in the Garden of Eden. After Adam and Eve sinned and God promised that the seed of the woman would crush the serpent's head. And through the rest of the Old Testament, God repeats and expands upon that promise. He gives us more and more details about the Savior to come. And then we find out that God didn't just send some child of the woman, some human being. He sent his only son to put on human flesh to save us from our sin. After Jesus finished the work of our salvation... He sent out his disciples to proclaim the gospel to all of the world. And then God continued to work through human history to make sure that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Whether you heard it first from your parents or from grandparents or aunts and uncles and cousins or other Christian family members, whether you didn't hear it until later in life when a friend or a co-worker or a neighbor invited you to church, somewhere along the line, even if it's First, today, you have now heard that God the Father sent his Son to live and die for you. That's the gospel. And whenever you hear the gospel, the Holy Spirit works faith in your heart to receive the gifts that God promises, the forgiveness of sins, life now, and eternal salvation to come. In fact, when you hear the gospel, God marks you. In holy baptism, God put his own name on you and he made you his own dear child. He promised not only to forgive your sins up to that day, but every day forward until death itself cleanses you completely from sin. In fact, every time you hear the gospel, the Holy Spirit seals or protects your faith. He continues to fill your heart with the love of God so that you never have to doubt your forgiveness, or your eternal life. God didn't just send his love into the world by sending his son. 
God's love found your heart through the gospel. Now we hear the song, I Finally Know Who You Are. Our final reading is from Ephesians chapter 5 where Paul said, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Both at the child center and in family impressions and a new life in Christ just taught the story of creation. How God created the world in six 24-hour days. Every once in a while when I teach that, someone asks, why? Why did God create the world? And I've only ever been able to come up with one answer. It's because God wanted to love you. And he wants you to love him back. But as we heard in our reading from 1 John, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. God had to love us first because God is eternal and he created us. But even after we are born, because we're born in sin, we don't love God. By nature, our, our sinful nature detests God, hates God with every part of our being until God changes that through the gospel. When the Holy Spirit gives us faith, now there is a new man inside of us that does love God, that recognizes how much God loves us, so much that he chose you before the creation of the world, so much that he sent his son to live and die for you, so much that he continues to send the Holy Spirit through word and sacrament to work on your heart, to change it from a heart of stone to a beating heart of flesh that loves him. And so the Bible encourages us to love God. Not just to say, God, I love you, but to show it. That's what we do every time we gather with our brothers and sisters in Christ around God's word and sacrament. We come here to hear God speak to us and, and to hear how much God loves us, but, but to love God in worship, in prayer and praise and song. But it's not just on Saturday afternoon or Sunday morning. We want to love God all throughout the week and whether we eat or drink or when you go to work or when you go to school or when you work in the yard or when you watch your favorite teams play on the TV, we want to give God glory in all that we do. We want to crave God so that he is more important than anyone or anything else in all of creation. The ironic thing is that the more we love God, the more he sends us out to share that love with one another. Over the last couple of years, we've talked about lots of ways to show love to our neighbor. We, we talked about acts of love where maybe you can bring some canned goods for the Winnicott Area Assistance Center or, or give blood or help your neighbor do some yard work or, or maybe you just give someone a call and check in and ask them, how are you doing? That's a great place to start. But the most loving thing you could ever do for another person is to tell them about the love of God. You all know people who wonder if anyone loves them. They may have been abandoned by their parents. Maybe they were abandoned by a spouse. Maybe they don't have any contact with their children anymore. They're lonely and they're afraid and they wonder even if God loves them. You can show them the love of God by a small act of love 
but then you can tell them. You can tell them that God was thinking about them even before he created the world. You can tell them that in spite of their sin and their guilt and their shame, regardless of whatever they've done or they haven't done in their lives, God still loves them and he sent his son to make them holy and blameless. You can tell them that God gave us the Bible and baptism and communion to show his love to us. And maybe when you tell them, the Holy Spirit will convince them that God loves them in the same way that he loves you. Our last song from Stephen and his daughter is Hallelujah. <laughs>